Hi, this is Chris Carlson, and welcome to this edition of the DI Guys podcast. I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Mike Cogdell. Mike, how are we doing this fine morning? Chris, we're doing fantastic. Thank you. Once again, I'd like to do the weather report. 12 days ago, we had almost 14 days ago, we had almost 14 inches of snow in Denver, Colorado. Today, 9 o'clock in the sky, it will be a sunny 65 degrees here in March. So, it's the world I live in. With that said, let's get this thing started this morning. In the world that you live in, and obviously one of the, the, the biggest news of the day is certainly the uh, everything going on with the coronavirus. The coronavirus, it's quite interesting. I mean, there are so many schools of thought on the coronavirus. And, you know, my comments to my dear friends and people that I run into is, I don't even drink corona, so I'm not really sure what you're talking about. From that regard, this too shall pass. There is no question. Well, Mike, let's get into this episode. And on our last episode, we talked about how a producer can use disability insurance to differentiate themselves when it comes to prospecting and then separating themselves from their competitors. So I know that's something that's something that's near and dear to your heart. So what do you, what do you think about using disability insurance as that differentiator? Chris, I think, as you know, we've always gone back and we've had these discussions. What happens first? How does life work? I actually think that using income protection disability insurance is is probably should be first and foremost on almost anybody's list when it comes to product. I, I think one of the biggest things in today's world, and I think you would agree, is just complete lack of understanding and lack of knowledge and not conveying what's at risk, not only to you and your business, because I always tell people, you know, let's talk about just business owners for a minute. We will talk about positions at a later time, but everybody knows the world of positions. If you do anything with income protection or not, they're always chased, fair. They're just chased. They're, they're chased by, in, in today's world, with because of technology, they could be chased by up to, would you agree, 25 brokers at a time? Absolutely. One client being chased by 25 brokers at a time. That that's a market that unto itself is interesting, but I think the road less traveled is the world that the rest of us live in, which is almost all of us. You know, the number of physicians, for example, in in, in the United States of America, it, it pales in comparison to the number of business owners. The numbers are would be staggering if we and next podcast or, or a couple down the road, maybe we'll do some data and do a little data dump to just give you an idea of what is available in the world of small businesses. But today I'd like to talk for a few minutes about why I think income protection is the lead-in, the absolute lead-in for a small business. And that small business can be relative in numbers. Would you agree? I mean, we don't dictate what small business is, and we're not going to to the, the listening audience. Uh, it can be anywhere from one to whatever number you would like to make. We don't, I don't really say that a thousand is not still a small business. I think a lot of people would have a hard time, you know, getting a meeting with, you live in Seattle, Washington. I would probably have a hard time getting a meeting with the head of human resources at uh, Microsoft. Would you say that's fair? No question about that. So in that regard, small business, take it from Microsoft, make the numbers much smaller, and that's what you and I will use for the rest of this conversation today as a small business. As a matter of fact, I would probably just give you a number, which is most in America, of 25, 1 to 25. Is that, would you say that's fair? Absolutely. Well, you know, what's, what's really interesting, Mike, in terms of statistics, 97, let me, let me rephrase it differently, only 3% of companies have revenue over $5 million in this country. 
3% of the whole business population, small business in America, has a revenue over $5 million. That's correct. So we have ample room. Once again, I think you and I would agree that that makes prospects pretty close to infinite. And if you go to just businesses, there are over 30 million businesses in this country. Now, that goes to your point, anywhere from the, the, the single consultant all the way to the, the biggest companies in the country. But the overwhelming majority of them you know, are relatively small, which I think really feeds into what you're saying. There's a great opportunity out there. So the question is, if you're prospecting a business, tell me quickly what, what you think. You've worked with, with, again, more brokers than is, you know, I don't want to date myself, more brokers than Carter has pulls around the United States of America and so all that. What would you think the normal conversation that brokers you and I work with to try to get into a small business market? Let's just break it down to not try to crack the code. Talking to a small business owner because every single client is basically a small business owner. Every broker has clients, whether they realize it or not, that's a small business owner. They have the conversation on a regular basis because a lot of their friends are their clients. How do you think the, the broker approaches it? And then we're going to try to give you a little twist on that this morning um, and give you a different idea to go to that same client or different client with just a slightly different conversation. But I think we should look back for a minute and say, what would you say is the norm in having a conversation with a particular small business owner? And so, Mike, are you talking specifically to income protection or just a business owner? I'm general? talking just a business owner. When you want to say, okay, when you want to earn that business, and we'll call it create a prospect and turn them into a client, which for me is purchasing. How do you think the average broker approaches that small business? My experience is, is they tend to approach it with a product such as group medical insurance or we got the best 401k or something like that. So it tends to be very product specific. And many times they don't even know if that particular prospect has a need or desire for that particular product. And I would agree wholeheartedly that that's, that's how it looks most of the time. Another one is, you know what, in your business, I'd like to do a small fact fund. And and then the same stuff occurs to get product specific. So no matter, it, it seems like you hit the nail right on the head when we go, go product specific. We're going to get to income protection as well, product specific. But we're going to do it in a little different way. We're going to ask questions specifically about that person, that business, which is near and dear to their heart, as we well know. You know, the term the business runs itself. This is already an overcoming an insincere objection. The business runs itself. When people say, you know, you need this, and it's like, you know what, I've run this for 20 years, it just runs itself. Then why don't you go on vacation for the rest of your life? Is always should be the response, right? It's not being a smart aleck, it's a fact. Then why don't you go on vacation for the rest of your life? And what you have to finish that with when somebody smiles is, I can't get, no, no. Do not diminish the value of what you've created in your business. Compliments in today's world are far and few between because I think of, you know, thanking me with a text, Chris, versus calling me and thanking me on the phone. Is there a huge difference? Big time. Okay. So as long as we're all clear on that, you can thank me all day and even do a bit much. It's cute. <laughs> but if you call me and say, dude, I really appreciate what you did for me, I, you know, my day is made. Not everybody has a great, my day is made. So when you're talking to a business owner specific, and again, forget a business owner can be a one person 
consulting firm that does nothing but coding for giant companies for business. I think one of the first things that you have to discuss, and I would make it the first, in my world, I would make it the very first thing I discussed because I think it's one of the most important. Why do we work, Chris? What's the reason just fundamentally? Money. Thank you. I had to guess that you were going to have the right answer. <laughs> but why do we work? We work exactly for money. We work to generate an income. And typically that money that we create is to do what? To current lifestyle, future lifestyle. Current lifestyle, future lifestyle. If you have a family to take care of your family, if it's just you to take care of you. So you would say that it's probably the most important thing about a profession is the ability to earn an income. I don't think there's any question. I, I think occasionally somebody will say, you know, I love my job or I'm doing it for a cause, but the reality is, is they're not doing it for free. So certainly money is very, very important. Chris, absolutely correct. For 30 years, you and I have loved our jobs and think that it's as important as any job that there is. But at the end of the day, I still have to pay a lot of bills. So if I could do it for free, I guess I would, but that option still doesn't exist. So we're back to, you know what, it's about to earn an income. So to make it really, really simple, and that's our goal in all of our podcasts, the simple sales ideas that can be fairly effective. Again, we're going to reiterate over and over that, you know, you need to practice a little bit before you get in front of somebody so you have the comfort to let it roll off your tongue. And the first thing when you're talking to your friend who's a small business owner, whether it's the racquetball court, uh, the handball court, the golf course, just doing a hike, which happens as much here, or on a bike ride, which again, where we live in sporting sporting states, as they say, happens all the time. It's like, you know, I'm not sure anybody's ever asked you this, but my question to you is, Chris, my question to you is, is your salary continuation plan for your business, is it current and is it up to date? I don't know really what you're talking about. Well, what a salary continuation plan does is it's almost like business interruption insurance that you've heard from probably your casualty agent. And think about what I'm going to talk about for a minute here, more like property casualty, protecting an asset. Does that make sense to you? Protecting an asset. Absolutely. Okay, so what we're going to talk about is an asset that, one, I think is probably the most important, because it's recurring, by the way, is one of the most important assets that you could ever, ever, ever protect, and that's your ability to nurture to earn an income and what a salary continuation plan does. And there's many ways to do it and we can, we could go deeper on that. But let me just, while we're riding down the road here on our bikes, let me explain to you just a quick 90 second overview of what a salary continuation plan does. If you couldn't work because we're riding today on the Highline Canal and you hit a big rock and you wiped out your bike, cracked your helmet, got a concussion. Sorry, Chris, I don't mean to do this to you, but I am. And you know what? And you actually, you know what? You fell and you cracked your femur because you fell on your side. Trust me, this is a man that knows these things firsthand, by the way. And you are suddenly picked up in an ambulance and the possibility of not working for anywhere from three months to a year because it takes so long for a pelvis to heal. It's just crap. You will heal and you will fully recover, but you might not work for a year. How would your business survive? Well, I like to think that I've got it kind of on autopilot, but the reality is, is there's going to be, they're going to still need me, you know, to make decisions and to, to make things happen. 
you're absolutely correct. And the thing that is most important here is it's your business, Chris. I mean, oftentimes people say, you know, I don't, I, I don't really need that. My business is not on autopilot. It runs. And one of the jokes that we've always made um, is if it runs that well, why don't you take vacation for the rest of your life? It's a heck of a lot of fun. And the answer is do not, do not diminish the value of what you've done and compliment somebody. Your accomplishments are, are greater than you give yourself credit for. That's why a salary continuation plan, all it is. And that's why it's so imperative that you have one for your business. Whether you're a one-person business or you have 600,000 people around the globe. By the way, Chris, those people that have, those organizations that have 50,000, 75,000, they all have a salary continuation plan. They have to. They have to. There are some rules around it, which I can tell you later. But today, I just want to give you the idea of what it does conceptually. In the event you get hurt or sick, you're driving down the Highline Canal. You crack your helmet, you have a concussion, you will recover. But with the same token, you hit the big rock, the one rock that's in the wrong place at the right time, and you fall and you crack your pelvis because you are on a bicycle, you don't fall forward or backward hardly ever. You fall side to side. So you crack it, and it's going to take a long time to recover. You're no longer going to work, meaning income could stop. How long would your cash flow, how long would your, how long would salary, let's call it a salary, Forget expenses for a minute. We'll, we'll, we'll hit that at another podcast. But just your salary. How long could you continue to live, make the same amount of money you make? Because you may have a salary continuation plan already. We just have to put it in place and have it in writing. And, and even as a one person, we should have a plan for this. How long could you go, Chris? I'm going to answer that in, in two ways. If I'm a self-employed person, uh, it's, it's not going to last very long because I'm the person doing the work out there getting contracts. If I'm a business owner with 10, 15, 20 employees, my answer is going to probably be, well, you know, the business is going to stay open. And as a result, I'll be able to take money out of the business. So there's two, there's two avenues, two different types of answers I would give to you, depending upon if I'm that person out there who's a self-employed contractor or who's got a, you know, a business that with employees, you know, maybe with a storefront that is you know, making things happen day to day, week to week. But if you have, to answer you do really quickly, Chris, if you have 20 employees, there are rules that govern how people get paid. In the event that you continue to take a salary, let's say for one year, and paid yourself, and you could do that, and then your worst employee got hurt or sick, are you with me? And they probably aren't going to work forever. Do you owe them any money for salary? You know, if they're my worst employee, uh, it's probably a blessing in disguise that that they get hurt and go away. Chris, the problem here is, is with employees, there, there are actual, there are rules around, and depending on your entity and things, and again, that could be discussed in the future. This is just to make it simple for us today to open the conversation. You could, in fact, depending on how you're structured, you could, in fact, that you already set a precedent because you had a salary continuation plan that said, I'm going to pay the CEO of the company forever, but it's not in writing anywhere, correct? That's correct. Okay, so it's not in writing anywhere. So what that means is if, if in fact, that person is hurt forever, you set precedent that an employee in the event they get hurt or sick will be paid indefinitely for as long as they're disabled. So you're telling me that you wouldn't have a problem paying XYZ, worst employee. Um, and let's say that they had a stroke in, they're 41 years old, and then you're going to never work again, but have a normal life expectancy to 65 or 67 normal retirement. You'd be more than happy to pay them all the way up until that point in time. Absolutely do not want to pay them one more dime. You know, not that I'm a bad person, but they're my worst employee. 
I feel I've taken pretty good care of up to this point. That's where I can help you. I think a salary continuation plan, you know, figuring out how to fund it, we can do. But I think a salary continuation plan is, and it's seldom overlooked. And there's a lot of things in small businesses overlooked, but we'll do one piece at a time. Are you okay with that? Uh, yeah, I need, I need to figure out how we, how we make it right. Cause to your point, I don't want to pay somebody that is not a very good employee for the rest of their life if you tell me that. Well, Maybe the interesting not. thing, Chris, is, is we, what we have to do is just create the plan. And as one person, it's a little bit different, but still, as one person, then you and I both know that the money would dry up right away. If you're not calling customers or whatever you do for a living, um, let's say that you're a phenomenal computer programmer, coder, and you do creative stuff for other companies, and you accidentally break your arm severely, and, and you're not going to be able to do anything on a computer or anything for anywhere from six to nine months, you're going to have to have surgery. All these things do happen, by the way, because hospitals, as I know today, are not empty. So something happens to someone every single day, you know, probably every single second. So regardless of how big your organization is, what we want to do is make sure that we have salary continuation in place. And salary continuation plan is nothing more than making sure that the event you get hurt or sick, that you get paid. Is that something that you would be interested in? I want to keep getting paid. You would like to continue to get paid. I mean, I like to always rephrase and say the same thing twice just to make sure that we're on the same sheet of music. In the event that you get hurt or sick, you want to make sure that you would get paid. Absolutely. Well, that's what I'd like to sit down with you after our bike ride sometime next week, and we can continue this conversation as we go forward, because I think you've given me something to bring to you, and you've given me a couple of options, and I have more than one option, but I'd like to show you what you can or can't do in regards to salary continuation plan. It's imperative that we get something built sooner than later, because we just, you and I both agree. We just, we're, the things in as active as we are, we just don't know what's going to happen when. So is it okay if we sit down maybe in the, in the next week or two? Probably, preferably next week. This is a 20 minute meeting, by the way. It won't take any longer than that. Are you amenable to, to that? Yep, let's do it. All right, Chris. That's, that, that's what we'll make the plan. So when we're off the bikes here, we'll grab our calendars because we always have a device with us and we'll schedule a time for 15 minutes to go next week and have a conversation. That being said, this is where you get a $1,000 disability quote. You know how old the person is. Don't even have to know their income because you have a $1,000 quote. And you go present to that person after you continue your conversation, build the plan. And in future episodes, we'll tell you how to build the plan. And we'll do that with you because there are some governing rules around it. But today, that should take you to where you need to go where you need to go. A $1,000 monthly benefit, assume it's 90 days to age 65 or 67 with a residual, very simple product, and we will talk product at some point in time, but anybody that's a BGA around the country can help you with, with, with some of these easy questions. Now you've got a disability quote in your pocket. The client is going to listen to you, understand what you had to say, and that's when you say, well, here's my solution. Income protection or disability insurance will solve these problems for you. And then it's how much does it cost? You have a cost per thousand and you can say, you know, what, what they make. And I make, you know, 20,000 a month. Well, you can do almost a 60 or 70% multiple, $14,000 a month. You have, you can buy up to 14,000, 14 units at a thousand dollars per, per unit. It's a thousand per unit. It costs about this much because you're showing them that one page number now, $22. And now, you know what, for you and your business, you need to just decide how many units you want. And I'll leave that up to you. 
that's really all it is, Chris. It's nothing more complicated than that. Simple beats complicated every time. You hear that over and over. Well, you know, Mike, what, what I really like about this approach is you're not going in there leading with non-can, oh, not product-specific stuff that the overwhelming majority of people really don't care about, but just really just asking questions, which is the way that you started the conversation before you got to the role play was we just have to ask questions. Tony Robbins says, if you want better answers, ask better questions. And I, I really do believe that, you know, what we will be doing with these different episodes is having a, offering up a lot of questions that people can ask so they can get better answers in their practice. Chris, thank you so much for today. And as always, going forward, some of these things that we mentioned in future podcasts, so stay tuned. We will go and explain and go a little deeper on certain things that I guess for lack of a better term is a more technical aspect of the disability insurance world. But for now, the idea is to give you simple concepts and sales ideas and take it forward. Don't be afraid to take this to your BGA and say, I heard this. Can you help me with this? Because all of the general agents and disability specialists around the country are skilled in taking you to the next level. Perfect. Mike, thanks for your time today. For all of our listeners, make sure you go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, so you don't miss a single episode. Mike, look forward to our next episode together. Chris, thank you so much and enjoy your week.